This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With over 400 celebrity interviews and tons of pop culture nerdiness, Too Opinionated is a safe haven for your inner geek. Find us at MeisterCon.com or on YouTube under MeisterCon Pod. And please subscribe. It would really help us out. Thanks, everybody. Hi, I'm Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks. What did you do on your last Saturday night? It's a new scripted podcast series that starts right at the beginning of lockdown when a single mother and out-of-work writer named Gigi realizes that everything is about to change. Did you hear something? Toilet paper. People are hoarding it. I should have done that. The Last Saturday Night, an Electricast podcast. You'll love it. Episodes available June 28th, wherever you listen to podcasts. Electric acid. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Two Opinionated, where today I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by actor, musician, astronomer, Tim Russ. So welcome, Tim. How are you? Nice to you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a big deal for me. I, I've been a fan of yours for so long, and this is uh, just just wonderful that you took a few minutes with us. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So it's Veterans Day, and of course, when this releases, it won't be. But we're recording on Veterans Day, and I know uh, I know your uh, your father was in the uh, military. Yes. Uh, yes. So uh, you know, thank you for his service. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, uh, my understanding. I, I was kind of uh, doing my background research on you and, and sounded like you did some moving around as a lot of military families uh, do when you were uh, growing up. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we moved on average. We moved every uh, couple of years. Yeah. Um, and that was for a long time. My father was in the Air Force for 20 years. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of relocating going on. Uh, very commonplace in, uh, in that uh, line of work and, 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 and that career. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to I want to talk to you about uh, all the acting stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have been emailing back and forth and, you know, uh, it was news to me that you are such an accomplished musician. So I, I, I wanted to start there if we could. Um, what and, and by the way, you're you have a, just a fantastic voice. I've been Thank listening you. to your uh, to your music and it's it's, just, it's, it's wonderful. And it uh, I, I love that. Over the years, you know, you've done, um, I don't know if genre is the right way to say it, but different sounds. Uh, yes, over the yes. Years. And, and they all sound good. They Thank all you. sound good. But Thank I was you. curious, you know, what, uh, what instruments do you play? 
Uh, it's primarily guitar. I play electric guitar, yes. uh, lead rhythm, and uh, also electric bass. Um, and I started playing both of those uh, types of guitars when I was um, about 16, uh, 15, yeah. 16, somewhere in there. And, uh, and so over the years, uh, what I ended up doing, of course, I took lessons at the beginning, you know, just yeah. to get started and get all the, the, the fundamentals and basics and then just jump straight into playing uh, in bands. And right. uh, in doing that is when you start picking up all the tricks and, and learning, you know, uh, about rhythm, you're learning, learning about timing, um, about playing uh, ensemble playing, you know, with other people and uh and making the sound come together as as as, as, a, as a unit and yeah. uh and over the years i was uh I, I played in all kinds of different bands you know i started out in uh i want to say uh hard rock initially with the you know yeah. playing a lot of the super group covers at the time on the 1960s 70s um and then went into uh r b and that's early uh late 60s early 70s r b yeah and then uh, in college, I was playing folk. Uh, so it was all storyteller stuff. It's acoustic guitar, single, solo, vocals, oh, yeah. coffee shop stuff. And literally, you know, made money do while I was in college doing that. And then after that, got out of, the, got out of that. I went to, once I got into uh, to, to, uh, uh, upstate, well, upstate New York, even before college, I played in another R&B band. So it's a seven-piece band with a horn section and all this stuff. It was yeah. fantastic. That sounds after, great. After the folk rock run, I was um, I moved down to LA and then put a put together another band. I was playing pop music, top forty music uh, for two and a half, three years uh, here in LA in the clubs and uh, pretty consistently. And then took a break and then came back and started putting uh started playing with another band with crescendo records the owner of the record company uh his son i put i played in his band we toured europe a little bit came back and then i put my own band together after that and that's where i am now so i've got my own group and uh you know we do a pretty wide variety of stuff and did some recording obviously during those years um on my own uh three or four cds and and uh and some songwriting i don't do a lot uh songwriting and i've done some songwriting for specific film projects here and there as part of the tracks that they might use um and and that's it so so now it's just playing clubs in los angeles uh when we're obviously able to again and right. um and 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 performing uh some live uh Facebook live gigs uh, with the band as well. Recently, we've been doing that, but, uh, but that's where it is. I mean, I've been, it's, I've been playing guitar for 45 years. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's terrific. We, we need to get you to West Virginia. You need to play uh, some venues uh, here. In yeah, West I'd love to. I don't, I you know it, 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 getting out of here with a band is, is all about, you know, how much it's going to cost to do it. Cause you right. got to fly everybody out there, put everybody up. Then you got the fees for the bands and all that good stuff. And, I don't have a uh, you know a tour manager. I don't have anybody that books my gigs yeah. for me. It's just me. So um, <laughs> it, if I if I go play, you know, we performed on a cruise earlier this year. I played in uh, Germany. I played in London. I played in Amsterdam. Um, we were supposed to perform this year in Germany and London again. Oh wow! Before all of this stuff happened, um, so I don't know if we're going to get to it in 2021 or not. But we were already invited to go play. We were going to go play. Yeah. So if if it happens we will be there and do that it, it but those trips are all 
you know, anywhere Long you go scare. outside, if you got to play, yeah, play in Vegas. Uh, you've been playing in Vegas every other year or so at, uh, at least at a couple of functions that are there. Um, and uh, so if, if you're going to do that anywhere, you'd have to pay for, you've got to get the, 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 the flights covered. You've got to get the right. venue covered. You want to make sure that whatever the venue is you're playing at, you have enough people there that are going to enjoy it um, to begin with. I mean, we'll do... On average, we just do performance sets, you know, 45 to an hour, but we could do, you know, two, two and a half hours, three hours, you know, uh, if we if we had to. And stuff is mostly going to be, you know, stuff that people could jam to and or dance to. It's not too much, too much trouble to do that kind of stuff. So it would also depend on what kind of gig it's going to be as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I know we have a um, pretty well known. It's a it's live performance, but it's, it's a radio, like a nationally syndicated radio program called mountain stage um, mm -hmm. here that, uh, that brings in, you know, acts throughout the, uh, the year. I, that's, that's where I think you would, you and your uh, band would be uh, perfect for you. Got if it's, yeah. If it's like a festival or something like that, that's a different thing. Cause we play, yeah. we just played long beach blues festivals um, last oh, year, yeah. half ago. And that was a great, that was a great gig. That was a lot of fun. It was just a wonderful gig. We played a festival up in Sacramento for two or three years in a row. It was the uh, Rib Fest up there. Oh my God, I missed yeah. that one. <laughs> I missed that one. Ouch. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's the perfect one too. That's the perfect one, right? <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you have a favorite band name of, of one of your bands that you played in growing up? um i think let me see um we had no not really a favorite i mean we had the names at the time that we that we came upon uh, peace unlimited was one um the course of force was one we had uh I like that one yeah course of force that that you know the, the the hardest thing about a band is not that you know necessarily the rehearsing and get booking the gigs and stuff it's just figuring out what kind of name you're going to have for your band that's the <laughs> that literally is the hardest part uh putting together a group is just what the hell is our name going to be <laughs> uh, because that that's your handle everywhere you go and, and that's, that's what right remember so um and, and i and i think uh what was the one i had here in la i'm trying to remember what that one was uh it's on tip my tongue i'll, I'll remember it a bit but but uh the one that i had here it, it was uh was pretty decent as well and it, it, and you know like i said it's all it all comes down to what uh what you guys can agree on as far as the name goes that's right. <laughs> and now and nowadays nowadays for god's sakes it's you know, it's something that somebody else doesn't have. If you can find one yeah. that, that nobody else has, if you come up with a name, you got to Google it to make sure that you, I know. <laughs> it's not trademarked or, or, you know, some other three bands have the same name and they've got, you know, they've got a higher profile than you. So you can't yeah. use the pairs. I know. Stuff. Try, uh, try running a podcast. Same problem. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have that issue. Didn't have that issue before because nobody no. was Oh, nobody's, you know, nobody would have any clues whether or not somebody in, you know, uh, you know, Idaho had the same uh, group name as you did, and they already had twelve albums out, and you had none. So that's right. Uh, then you got to change it. Then you got to change it. Yeah, don't become. I, I used to, I used to get a kick out of um, watching Parks and Rec and Chris Pratt. You know, he had a band on the show, but every episode they were changing the band name. And it, it got to the point where he couldn't even remember what their band name was. At that time. 
All right. <laughs> All right. That's funny. That's a yeah. funny gag, man. I thought, the, thought that yeah, was. I, uh, I like their good. style. I like their style. It's almost that reality sort of almost, almost documentary style of, of yeah. doing it. And it's a natural, a natural sort of human way of, of, of their comedy. And it's, it's, there's some satire in it, but it's just so subtle. I dig, I dig that style of, of I comedy. Too. I think, I think, uh, didn't office, what is it? The, uh, the office have the same kind of as. Oh yeah. They Absolutely. have the same kind of yeah. down. It was just, it's a real, it's not a, uh, you know, a one, two, three joke, one, two, three joke right. set up like a sitcom has. It's a very different style and that natural sort of style is, uh, I love that the, the way that works. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, the, the band name, the band name, like I, my, the, the band, the name that I, you know, my band name like now is just basically my name because as yeah. much as I'd like to have a band name that's different than that, um, I've already recorded with my name. So I'm stuck with it, you know? Uh, well, yeah, because if you want people to find you, they may not. Uh, find they're you. not going to, they would never find me. So, yeah. you know, uh, I would, if I had my choice, I'd, I'd love to go for something different. I just don't have the choice. It has to have my, it has to have my name in it. Yeah. And right. it's just, you know, you're, you're kind of limited as to what you could do. So, um, so I watched, uh, I watched your, your video for um, we is we, right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. It had, uh, I really like that one. Thank you. I really like that. that was, <laughs> Thank you. That that's, was, a, that's a fun one. It was very, uh, I don't know what the, it's almost, it's almost a little techno. Yes. It, the song was deliberately designed to be a, a, a techno retro sort of throwback in Well, that's style. what the feel it had, almost like a 80s techno type. Absolutely. That was yeah. done. That was done on purpose. And I had, I wanted to use, uh, you know, I was inspired because uh, I wrote it like in one afternoon. It was just to, because I, you know, had been on the phone with some, you know, um, uh, you know, <laughs> customer service, right? You know, whatever it was, um, for I don't know how long. Uh, I was just forever having to call back because I got cut off, having a bad connection, trying to get something done. It was an absolute nightmare that day. And I was so frustrated. I just literally just I just scribbled that song down in, in like an hour. And then and I had my keyboard player and he and I put the arrangement together and and then we recorded it. And I was just so that's in that song, it's that scream in the song is the frustration. And that's and and I wanted to put uh, in the video all the the older forms of communication. So uh, the, the switchboard, the telephone. Yeah, I uh, love that. You know, uh, to it just and that's and just the fact that you're you're you know if they're selling you some crap they'll be on the phone you know in about a second and a half you know and charge you 12 times whatever the, the cost would normally be and they're happy to have you right there but the second you have that whatever it is you know you can't find them again you, you don't even exist anymore so that's the that's where that thing is, uh, and it's not getting, <laughs> not going away. It's not becoming less of that. It's becoming it more. Not. So, right. and everybody's got to deal with it one hundred percent across the board. So, you know, that's what that song is inspired by. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. That was uh, that was a Thank fun you. one too. Thank you. Thank I wasn't you. expecting it because I, the song before that I was listening, you were playing the guitar. It was very bluesy. Um, uh, correct. Yes. And I switched correct. to that one. I was like, "Oh, that's that's." Yeah, it, it was. It was uh, the other track is a cover, and that one was done. Uh, 
that was done for uh, an associate of mine who wanted to test their camera. And so, because they were going to use it on a shoot and they wanted to do a a test of it in these different sort of lighting conditions and things. So, um, so they said, you know, do we have a ballad? Do I have a ballad that'll work for this, uh, for this video? And I, all my songs were most, more or less up-tempo. I didn't have any uh, uh, ballads that I had written and recorded. So I said, well, how about this one here? It's a, it's a, you know, it's a cover track. We can try this one. And they loved it. So we just shot the video to that song. um, And that's where that video came from. Otherwise, I wouldn't necessarily have shot, you know, a video to that song. Um, yeah. It was their idea, their setup, their... It, it, was, it looked good. It, I mean, it was... Yeah, uh, they did a great job on it. Yeah. They did a great job. It was the same DP. I used that DP, uh, that cinematographer, to shoot the Wii video as well. So oh, yeah. that, he set up all the, all, the, all the different scenes and scenarios in there. So he yeah, did a great yeah. job. Yeah, Mario that's, that's He's great. Fun. He's great. Yeah. I, I really... Yeah, I, I'm... I, I'm uh, a long time nerd, you know, I, I, I a fanboy, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that, that I was such a fan of yours, had no idea that you, you were a musician. It's been, it's been a good week because I, I love digging into that stuff and, and, uh, you know, learning something yeah. new about it. Yeah. Admire yeah. That. A lot of fun. I've enjoyed that. How did you go from, uh, music, to acting you've been doing music for so long i'm assuming that you started that first yeah that's true and the, the acting came um while i was still high school um so yeah. it was uh, shortly after i started playing i started playing when i first started playing i was like 14 or 15 and then and then uh in high school at 16 i was uh 16 17 i started studying uh, i started taking classes and then I got in a couple of uh, of the uh, musicals at the time on stage, yeah. and and it was an absolute thrill. And I decided, well, I'm going to go study this in college. So I went to study it in college for five years, and then came back to uh, California after that. Yeah. Um, so it was it was just becoming enamored with it and hooked with it from being a uh, being on stage um, when I was in high school. I just absolutely adored it. It was so much fun. It was so uh, exhilarating. And so uh, I just thought to go study it and, and the, and the college, you know, uh, went to school in Texas, Austin, Texas, actually. Yeah. And it was a great school. They had a great program and, um, and, 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 and still do, I think that, but, but at the time it was, at the time it was a, a set up as a, almost like a, an internship. It was an internship type program um, okay. uh, or apprenticeship. It was, it was set up, so that you had a very heavy focus on your major from year one. Right. So it wasn't like you had to wait, you know, for two years before you could really, you know, get into the stuff. Get it was a very small school. So I didn't have, you know, 10,000 people to compete with for an opportunity to be on stage or to work in certain capacities. And it was a theater on campus. Um, it was called uh, St. Edward's University. Um, a wonderful uh, school, um, and and it was such a small group of us that were working that we all had a lot of opportunities to work in the different areas of theater. Yeah, that's good. And, th- and they would design the program so that you could come out after four years, and theoretically you could open up your own theater because you learn oh, wow. every aspect of how to run a theater, um, everything from acting in shows to directing to lighting to sound to box office to costumes to construction everything you could work on in every area uh, you had a chance to do it yeah um, really good program at the time and and on top of that they brought in 
uh, celebrities from uh, Hollywood to yeah. be in the plays, um, the main <laughs> stage shows every year. So there four or five, six, seven main stage shows we did. We did a summer stock and then we did the regular school year and the students would perform with those lead actors, oh, wow. celebrity actors in the shows, you know, for the general public. And that's, they, that's how they got their crowds to come to watch the shows. So that's a smart idea. That's, that's fantastic. Really good. Fantastic. Couldn't have been better. Yeah, I was do, you, very lucky. do you have somebody that uh, you remember performing with that uh, did, were you awestruck at any time? Do you have anybody you were an admirer of? Well, let's just say that um, in hindsight, uh, there was some ser serendipity as to one of the actors that they brought out. <laughs> Before I arrived to the school, it was only a couple of three years, they brought out William Shatner. Oh, my goodness. Before I got there. Yeah. While I was there, I got a chance to work with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, how about that? <laughs> yes. How That's about that? foreshadowing. <laughs> how about that, indeed? Yes. So I worked in a play with him called uh, Caligula. Um, oh, yeah. uh, so it was, uh, it was really wonderful to, um, to, to get a chance to meet him and to work with him. It was just a thrill. Um, yeah. It was a big deal at that time. And uh, uh, I worked with uh, several other actors that were uh, uh, Al Lewis, who played Grandpa in the Munsters. Yeah, yeah. I worked cool. with uh, Greg Morris from the series Mission Impossible back in the day. Uh, Donnie Most I worked with from Happy Days. There's a whole lot of people that we really uh, yeah, got that's, a chance uh, to work with. Very, that's very lucky. Uh, terrific. Yeah, we just had uh, uh, Greg's uh, son, Phil, uh, came on the uh, show, Phil Morris. Yes, I know and Phil. He's very cool. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. Very nice great. guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's a good guy. What, yeah. What a great school. Did, did it allow you to, uh, cause Austin's a pretty good music town. Did, did it allow you to kind of pursue your music stuff as well? I mean, did you go into town and perform at some of the clubs or anything? I, when I, when I was in Austin, I was performing primarily on campus. I did the, uh, oh, the okay. campus had a coffee house set up there and that's where I started doing, I started performing live um started performing live in the acoustic uh, solo uh, folk song kind of stuff so i was doing all of that and then went to graduate school for another year and a half up in illinois and worked uh in a coffee house up there to make some extra money uh playing uh in the coffee house up there and that's yeah. you know uh, having performed in uh, all these different bands and these different genres i had to do the vocals for them all so that's where i end up <laughs> That's where I end up with a with a, a playlist of, of stuff that I've recorded that's a pretty wide variety because I've played and sung a lot of different styles over the years. So, yeah, you know, it hasn't been just one thing. And uh, yeah, it served you well. It did serve me well. Yes. And it helped a lot. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Do you remember what your first uh, acting job uh, within Hollywood was? Uh, the, well, the first acting, the first professional gig I did was actually done while I was still in college. When I was in Austin, okay. Texas, I worked on a, on a, on the, uh, on Masterpiece Theater for PBS. It's uh, it was, uh, oh, yeah. um, and it was, um, it was, uh, I worked with Glenn Turman uh, at the time um, in a show that came through there. It was casting local. I got a chance to read for it and booked it. And so I was able to work with him on this uh, Masterpiece Theater scene. Um, I was able to get my SAG card at that time. And I also worked in another show that was a local show that was a regional show that was booked there called uh, The Corner. 
uh, La Esquina. It was, it was uh, Hispanic, was an Hispanic based cast, uh, but it was sort of a mixed cast at the same time. And, and, and it was, uh, I did like four or five, six episodes of that, sort of a sitcom kind of thing and a family show. And so I was on that for several episodes before I left, uh, also before I left uh, Los Angeles, uh, before I left Austin, then I came out to LA after that. So that was the very first yeah. professional gigs I booked. Once I got to LA, the first break um, that I had here in Los Angeles, I want to call it a break, it was actually on live theater, which was um, Dreamgirls oh. uh, with Jennifer Holiday. When the show came to uh, LA, the lead actor got a book to feature film or something he left and they had to move all the roles up yeah. uh, the, the male roles up in in terms of slots so right. it, left the, it left the fourth male principal slot open and they auditioned for it and i i booked it and so i was on the show for three and a half months here in town and then it the, the show left and i was once the show left the the other actor came back and took over the, the role that he had um so that was the first really big gig uh, that yeah. I got a chance to book while in town. And then from there, uh, a year or so and a half after that, I finally got a break on uh, a Paramount feature film uh, called uh, Fire with Fire. So I shot that and uh, that was the break. That was the break for film and television that, 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 that launched me off. Um, okay. From there, I went to do a couple other films, uh, Streets of Fire and a couple of commercials here and there, and then books that then started booking television Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, I remember that. I think the first time I remember seeing you on TV was on uh, Hill Street Blues. Yeah, yeah. Tell it. Yeah, the TV stuff um, really took off after I worked on the two films. I did Crossroads. I did that. Uh, Ironically enough, in Crossroads, I played Charlie. uh, What is it? Uh, And I can remember his name. Uh, The blues singer, Robert Johnson. Uh, oh, you know what? I, I remember that movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I played I played his character in it. Yeah, and had to work with I Ry Cooter on. Yeah, I had to work with Ry Cooter on guitar. It was great. We had to play this. We played and sung the original song of Crossroads, and we played it in the original style, which is the slide guitar, yeah, and it's awesome. uh, and it's a really funky tune. It's not the way that that it normally is played, but right. the way you play it rather. But um, and I still play that song in my band, ironically enough. But, <laughs> but all but. But that that one went to uh, that one. From there, I, I booked, started booking television projects, um, a couple of series here and there, and then yeah. a bunch of episodics, movies of the week. Back to back in the day, it was movies of the week. Booked a lot of those things, and um, and then again series down the line, and and uh, and it, that just took off. Um, it yeah. was it was a busy time uh, for me then. Uh, once you got That's into great. that, once you got into the wheel. You know, people would they would just you get different networks and shows that are called yes. on you because you're you're booking projects and they see that and you got the credits and it just keeps it's self perpetuating once it gets going. So it's good. Not hard to get in there. It's, it's difficult to get into. That oh, it's place. it's a it's oh it's yeah. a monster and and it can be a monster <laughs> once you get rolling. I mean, there are gaps and breaks and times when you're not yeah. doing anything for a while and you simply 
you know, haven't or can't book uh, anything uh, for a spate of time. And you, you got to hope that you've got your money that you're living off of um, during that time. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 yeah. That's when I, you know, I'll say that uh, it's, it's a beneficial to be in the union to have uh, for the union to have garnered uh, in their agreements to be able to have garnered uh, residuals because your residuals, your, your uh, license fees and things like that and, and royalties, those are what keep you alive uh, in between jobs. And right. uh, because of reruns and syndication, that's what keeps you alive. So without those, I, without that setup and without that kind of money coming in for uh, the back end on these projects, you, you, you wouldn't, you'd be hard pressed unless you're on a, a major series and you're able to bank some really big bucks for a while and put them away. You're, you, if you're just working job to job, you can't survive that way. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be really, uh, really tough. I, uh, of course, you know, you're, you're well known from your time on, uh, for, for your role in Spaceballs. And I always thought that that was, it, I always wondered what you thought of that because it was a relatively small part, but everybody knows it. Oh yeah. Um, Spaceballs at the time was a relatively small part. It was just yeah. a couple of days or so in the Arizona desert we shot out there, um, Mel Brooks, a wonderful guy, uh, very nice, really sweet man. Um, we did the gags, and uh, that was it. And and I, <laughs> I didn't think anything about it. You know, I, I, I had pretty much forgotten about it for I want to say a couple of decades. And then I was shooting. I was directing a project up in uh, uh, on the East Coast, Virginia. I think it was uh, uh, at a at a production company out there, and. One day, the crew was sitting around on a break or something, a lunch break, and they were talking about Spaceballs. They were talking about movies. And Spaceballs <laughs> came up, and they just went bananas about that and were just, you know, yucks and, and laughing and all the recall of all the bits and stuff. And, and I was standing there over hearing it, and I thought, and I just told them, uh, well, you know who was combing the desert, don't you? And they looked at me, and <laughs> their jaws dropped. <laughs> And I mean dropped. And they were absolutely staggered to know that I was in Spaceballs doing that bit. And uh, the, I, I, the, the next day, they all brought their copies of the movie in for me to sign. Of course. And, and, and I, at that point, from there forward, I realized that it had become this cult classic. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't think about it. I didn't you know, I hadn't seen it in ages. I hadn't really watched it. I don't have a copy of it. You know, I, you know, I'm not going to see it unless I watch it or see it on television or whatever. And so I didn't really think about it. And then after that, every, every time the word was mentioned, and I do mean every time um, <laughs> that people just, there, there isn't anyone who doesn't like Spaceballs. That's I mean, right. Across the board. I mean, yeah. uh, I, you know, E.T. I've had never it. met anybody that doesn't like it. Yeah, E.T. had a huge following, a huge thumbs up following. And I thought that was big. Spaceballs is even bigger. And uh, people knew me from uh, Spaceballs, one little scene in Spaceballs, more than seven years on Voyager. And I kid you not, that's the truth. People like Voyager, people like Star Trek, what? Voyager, what? Yeah. But Spaceballs, all day long. And they know the lines, and they know the scenes, and they know the role. So I'm, I'm like, okay. So when I went to do conventions recently, I actually broke out some photographs for me and Spaceballs, and the, you know, people ever sure enough, everybody who comes to the table, that's what they're they want. Awesome that it's that, and I'm like, it's just a four, literally four words. That's what it was. 
I've got. Um, I, oh, what? Uh, you do you want to say your four words? You want to say your line? Oh, is it? We ain't found shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! I I've always had this uh, this running uh, joke with with uh, my wife and and the kids that if I was ever uh, on a a show that became a cult classic, even if I just had just a just a tiniest part. I would live off of that for the rest of my life. I'd hit every convention. I'd show up at birthday parties. I'd have <laughs> if I'd been in baseballs comb in the desert, you'd never get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, there might have been a few people here and there at uh, some of the signing shows or places, conventions I've been to that, you know, had some kind of role some in some movie somewhere that you know, that, that, that may have been a, a big cult classic and, you know, they may have had a significant role or they may have had the lead role or whatever. So they do show up at the shows and things. I, oh, I yeah. personally probably wouldn't, you know, uh, necessarily go book a, a convention on just that alone. <laughs> but, but if I'm already there for Voyager, um, Why not? I'll, I'll throw it in the hat, you know, because people do recognize it. They do remember it. And, uh, and, and especially in a show that's got a pretty wide selection of, uh, of uh, people coming to, to the convention. Uh, yeah. Mostly the Star Trek fans are interested in pretty much Star Trek. But, you know, if it's a general signing show, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, they might get a kick out of it. They might. Buy oh, yeah. It. Why not? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Were you were you a Star, uh, Star Trek fan uh, growing up? Not well, I. What, what happened when I was growing up, obviously, is different than it is today because we only had three networks, you know, to watch right, television. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the syndicated shows that uh, were on, I could tell you the dialogue and the stories from all of them because they were, that's all we saw. So oh, you uh, saw. Twilight Zone, uh, you know, I Love Lucy, uh, Gilligan's Island. Of course. Um, Andy, May Andy Mayberry, right? Uh, I Dream and, of Genie. I Dream of Genie and Star Trek. And they just yeah. played them constantly. Yeah. So I knew the series um, when I was in college, high school to college, post-college. Yeah, they were on all the time. And uh, eventually I've seen all of them about a hundred times. So we knew the episodes, we knew the gags, we knew the plots, we knew the dialogue. And so uh, coming into Trek, yeah, I had that as a background. Um, if it hadn't been for that, I don't know if I would have watched it that much. They are good stories, uh, no question Very about good. it. Yeah. Um, because of the style, you know, if you had, and, and I guess they're doing the Star Wars uh, series now, Mandalorian, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't watched it, so I don't know what the nature of their stories are, uh, but but Star Trek has always been a story-based, theme-based uh, series. It's not, you know, about just blowing stuff up and shooting at things and whatever. That's not what it is. It's not an action show with, it's a people show. It's a character show. It's a, a theme show. Uh, it's about, it's about, you know, character and it's about ideology. It's about uh, social themes that, that play out in real time. So, and it's about uh, difficult decisions. It's about people's relationships right. and with uh, with other cultures and things like that. This is what that show is about, and it's always been about the story and the and the moral sort of play that goes through it, rather than just 
blowing up stuff and dealing with things. And that's right. That's, I that's, think that's, that's why the, the appeal of it. Yeah, that, that is where that show's appeal occurs. Yeah. And, and they do have their fans that are very enthusiastic. There's not a huge, huge number of them. There are, they're just a very loyal following of, right. of the number that do have, do have them. And a lot of people just don't care for the stuff because you, you have to deal with uh, the storylines and things and the elements in the, in, the, in, the, in the thing are science fiction based and some of them yeah. pseudoscience based. And you got to wrap your head around some of the concepts here and there because they do deal with that. Absolutely. Um, and people don't have, you know, their head starts to hurt. They can't watch that. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 uh, and there, and there's science fiction shows that aren't this way, most of them, but it's yes, very, that aren't. Intelligent. Yeah. yeah, it's very yeah. intelligent sci fi. You know, it's intelligent sci fi. It's not uh, down for everybody. No, it is not. And uh, that is not for everybody. Yeah. They, they'd rather just watch some mush that goes by without them having to think about anything. <laughs> You know, not even sci-fi related, but, you know, uh, that, that's a little less uh, cumbersome as far as their, their thought processes. And they just don't, they're just not going to get into it. Um, you know, the, 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 the franchise, you know, has also always been sort of stigmatized by the media. They always, you know, sort of uh, a lot of times they lampoon her to make fun of it because, because of people that are, you know, absolutely addicted to it and, and, and just hardcore fans of it. Yeah, you know, yeah, I can take that, I guess, but you know, I personally don't see any any difference between that and somebody who uh, who dresses up in uh, in uh, spray paints their bodies three different colors and puts on a giant <laughs> silly looking clown wig and jumps up and down at the end zone of a you know of a football that's right. state. That's right. I don't see how that's any different than it's not <laughs> dressing up. In that's a good way to look at it. It's not either. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> that kind of fanaticism, man, it mystifies me. To be honest with you. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'll catch a football game now and then on television, but right. I'm not, you know, jumping around with soda you're, you're cans, not on, your cans on my head. No, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> so I, I know that you had uh, been on Star Trek a few times before Voyager came along, and, and I saw that, you know, you had uh, tested for, for Jordy. And I, was, I was curious, did, did those relationships that you built there, did that help you getting the role of Tuvok on uh, – Boy, yeah, God. I think yeah, they, they they more or less um, they more or less led from one sort of um, hurdle to the next because um, uh, they kept bringing me back to read yeah. for stuff, and um, I read for all the I read for DS Nine, I read for as a regular, I read for the yeah. you know uh, I read for the episodics, I eventually booked some, I read for the feature, booked that, and then eventually um, Voyager was because Rick Berman was the producer on. Uh, co-producer on all of those other projects right. uh, and then he became exact producer so he could make a decision he can make the call himself and i you know he talked to me about it when i was filming generations and he already he had already mentioned it to me that that it was going to be possible that i would come in to read for that role and they've used other uh, actors for who've done trek projects prior they've used sure. them again yeah. in other trek projects and that was just the way they did things so um it just turns out i was Purely and simply in the right place, right time, and I was right for the role. Otherwise, it wouldn't yeah. have happened. I mean, I could have well, been. Well, just... I, I, I saw, you know, you played a few different aliens, but you played a Klingon. You got yeah, yeah. Vulcan. That was yeah. kind of neat. And I, I saw you had the record for being on camera with the most different Star Trek captains. You had Correct. Seven. Yes. 
That is it's not even close. I, I think the <laughs> next one was the was Jonathan Frakes with four. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's that's uh, that's that's pretty good. Do you have a favorite uh, Voyager episode? Um. Well, I just I think there was just uh, uh, the one I enjoyed shooting was uh, F- Futures End One and Two. I just enjoyed working on that that two part uh, two part episode because we were. We were shooting in Los Angeles in the springtime. It's beautiful weather, and we could we were outside the studio, running all over, running around in different locations in Los Angeles. Everything from yeah. the beach to the down to downtown, where the theater uh, complexes were, fun were. Oh, they were just a riot. And and I was working with Sarah Silverman the whole time, and uh, and she was just lovely. And she was and she's joking all the time, and we were laughing all the time. <laughs> that was early uh, Sarah Silverman. That was early Sarah Silverman. Yes, and she was great. She was wonderful to work with, and we just had a blast. And I, yeah. I enjoyed it so much um, having the opportunity to, to uh, to work with those guys uh, in those two episodes. That was just fun for me. Yeah, um, uh, to work on uh, uh, the, the the other episodes. You know, some of them were really intense. Some of them had some really cool yeah. stuff to do in them. But just overall, just for being able to get off the soundstage for a minute. Yeah, and just enjoying it. Oh, just enjoying it, man. Uh, that Those two episodes were, they, they turned out yeah. to be my favorites. Yeah. I, I, I've, got, I've got a couple uh, for me. I, I love the one that, and I didn't realize that you had directed it, but mm-hmm. you directed uh, um um, I, I want to look because I, I don't. Oh, living witness, witness, living witness, yes, living witness. I, I love that one. That's and and I think a lot of people do. That was uh, uh, and I didn't realize that you had uh, directed that, but that was I great. was very lucky. I was very lucky to draw that because when you're, if you're you know signed on to to be able to direct an episode, you have to take what they give you. Right. And I could have just as easily gotten you know more of a dog <laughs> episode, something. Like, oh my God, I don't want that thing. You know, um, I was so happy to get that episode and I loved the theme uh, of that episode personally. Um, I, I, lo- I love uh, history as a, as a hobby of mine. So I really enjoy uh, all aspects of history and all right. different periods in time in history and to be able to to look at a storyline that deals with revisionist history and how it affects culture in the future. The relationship yeah. of, of different ethnic cultures in the future is really fascinating. I mean, you can apply that to, to, to real time, you know, because we currently live in our world, in our societies, the relationships between all the, the, the groups of people out there are all based on what happened in the past, um, how those relationships uh, developed in the past. And, and, and in some cases, if you go back far enough, do we really know? you know, what happened in those times? Do we really know? That's right. That yeah. A, B or C happened and the way we look at it now and the way it's, it's portrayed uh, on film and television or the way that the stories are told and relayed uh, to people um, and passed on, you know, are those accurate or are they not? And some of them become uh, a legend. They become myth. They become religion. And we don't right. know because we weren't there. So right. that, episode, <laughs> that episode to, you know, to, 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 to deal with the dilemma of whether you inform an entire culture that their history is wrong and cause just, you know, a nightmare of, of, uh, of upheaval because, because of it, uh, whether to do that or whether to leave it like it is just for the sake of the peace 
fascinating. That's Trek. That's what, that's, that's right. That's that, which is one of the reasons I liked it so well. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. That's, that's a Trek episode. 100%. That's, that's what they deal with. That's yes. what they like to, to wrestle with. It's very cool. Yeah. yeah. The, the other one that, that I, I always enjoyed was um, Flashback. You know, the oh, crossover yeah. with the uh, George Discover yeah. Country, uh, you know, six. I thought that was so neat that they went back and kind of put you in those scenes. That's and, right. Uh, and they were, yeah, they did it very clever. That was oh, it was very, it really was, especially at that time. You know, yeah, that was, that was a pretty, and, and yeah, of course, uh, uh George and uh, uh Grace, uh, Whitney Rands, yeah, yeah, Janice Rands, yep. but yeah, yep. she, um, that was so neat seeing th them uh, kind of in those scenes as well. And that just that, yep. that, that was such a fun episode as a, as a fan. That, it that was, was, yeah, that was a brilliant, brilliant uh piece that was so well done. Um, uh, Brandon Braga wrote that piece and uh, he's yeah. a wonderful writer. Um, just, a, just incredible, incredible, piece. yeah. And 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 you know, he was doing the uh, he was doing first contact at the same time, he was writing wow. that as well. So, I mean, come on, man, that's a lot of work, um, to, to come down on at the same time. And 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 I think when we shot that sequence with George Takei on the bridge, we reshot the t the sequence. We didn't use the footage from the feature film. We actually really, shot yeah, that's I wasn't correct. sure. Right, you couldn't. We, that's correct. He were they were going to, but the director at the time thought, you know, I'd like to recreate that whole sequence, you know, on the set, and we did. So we reshot that whole piece. Yeah. So uh, hey, yeah, that was that was a fun one. You know, those are the ones that you just love, and you did. Uh, uh, you got to do a mirror image you know, a version of yourself on Deep Space Nine. That, that was a fun yes. one for, for fans. Yeah. They, yeah. they do a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, goodwill created with the, with the fans, I think, when, when they do episodes uh, like that. Kind of yeah, the crossovers. Yeah, the crossovers yes. were really, that was, it was kind of cool to be able to go, you know, I'm literally on the set, on the, on the, on the, on the studio lot. It's just right across the alley was where they were <laughs> shooting. And I used to go over there and, and, you know, bother them every once in a while. Anyway, just go over there and harass them for the hell of it. So, uh, uh, and, and it was always fun to do that anyway. But to be able to go over there and work with them was, was you know, a kick. I, mean, uh, I think we did two of them. Didn't we do two of those things? I think we did two, didn't we? I think yeah, I was over I there twice. So. I was over there yeah, twice. I think there was yeah. two of them. Yeah, I think yeah there was two, two of them. Yeah. Did, uh, did you ever run back into uh, to Leonard Nimoy? Did you get a disgust? You know that you'd you'd worked with him. You know back oh, yeah, in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I ran into him uh, once um, at a convention. Um, actually, a couple times at a convention, just briefly. And then I worked. I ran into him when we did the dedication to uh, uh, to uh, uh, I think it was George Takei on Hollywood Boulevard. We oh, did. A, yeah, that's great. Uh, I ran into him then, and we spoke just briefly then. I've got a picture of myself talking to him actually on the no, Hollywood Walk of Fame. So it's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we that's did. Really he was a wonderful man, a very, very sweet guy, very cool, very yes. cool. Yeah, that was a that was a big loss, and that uh, I know that. Uh, I know. Uh, but yeah, he was such a such a great uh, such a great guy. So I, I have to ask you. I know you're into um, astronomy. Yes. Um, you know what? You know what are you watching right now? Were you out there on Halloween night checking out this so-called blue moon, or you know what are you out there? Looking around. Uh, generally, yeah, generally what I'll do is um, uh, I've got, I belong to the Astronomical Society of Los Angeles and um, 
And when we didn't have COVID, I would take the telescopes up to Griffith Observatory. Yeah, I've been up with, there. with the uh, Astronomical Society, and we'd set up all our scopes on the front lawn of Griffith, and the general public could come in and look at uh, some stars and the planets and the moon. Oh, neat. Uh, because that's basically all you can see, you know, in the city. It's, uh, there's not much else because of, of the city lights and things. The lights, yeah. So, but the people are absolutely fascinated by the planets um and and the moon and all that good stuff and they, they've never seen anything like that before so we, we all bring our, our our own equipment up there set it up and and let the public come up for two or three hours up there at the uh Griffith. and that's what i normally would be doing uh, once a month uh which we've been doing i've been doing the past four three or four years roughly on average and then we go to dark skies we have a dark sky site that we go to we yeah. take our stuff out there and we do the um everything from astrophotography to viewing and things like that with uh, the larger mm -hmm. telescopes that we own. I own about six or seven of them. So, um, and now I'm demo doing a demo for one that's called a unistellar EV scope, which is a, a telescope that also images. Um, uh, so it's a combination of an imaging telescope and a regular telescope. It's a combination of the two um, that will be able to pull the uh, the more faint um, uh, objects that are out there into view uh, even within the city and the city lights it can cancel and filter out city lights so i can see these objects that i've been looking at for years with yeah. an optical telescope and be able to image them with a lot more detail and clarity through the eyepiece mm -hmm. and that is the scope that i was i had been i was i had just gotten to i've been given to as an ambassador to go ahead and demonstrate for the pub the people up at Griffith Park just before COVID hit um, and, it, and it shut that all that all that down and I'm like oh my god so uh, well when I get a chance to again I will go back out so all I've done now is I've done my own imaging and and, and taken the images from what I can see in the eyepiece yeah. and posted those online for the last three or four or five months and um, and it's been really really good i'm very happy with uh, how it works i'm happy with it you know it's a high-end telescope it's not it's not inexpensive but you yeah. know it also does a lot and it's extremely easy to use so um That's there's awesome. not a lot of tech knowledge you have to use this thing to for what it can gather and what it can do i am absolutely amazed at it um and it's small and it's portable it's literally two pieces that's it that's hard once to believe. Together, yeah. Once you put it together, I man. By my regular scopes, I've got eyepieces and sight scopes <laughs> and all kinds of crap. You know, plugging in batteries or whatever it comes out to. Yeah. This thing is all self-contained and it's literally two pieces. Once you put them together, you're off and off to the races. And it runs off your cell phone, a cell phone app. Really? So, yep. It's it's all automated. It's got Wi-Fi built in, so it talks to your phone. It's got GPS. It takes the GPS off your phone so it knows exactly where it is. It can yeah. find itself based on the stars uh, that are up there, what it can find in the viewfinder. It'll, it'll look for a pattern and it'll lock itself in. It knows exactly where you are. You don't That's have amazing. to enter a single ounce of data. And that far surpasses the other computerized telescopes that are out there. So I'm absolutely amazed. The optical scopes I have already, I still need those because this one is as amazing as it is, does not, uh, does not work on planets and the moon and things like that because they're too bright. So uh, I still have to use the other telescopes, which is fine. And I keep those and I use those for people uh, if they want to go up to Griffith. If I get back there, I'll take both of these types of scopes up there. It's going to happen. 
Yeah. It will return someday. <laughs> it will someday. So, uh, but yes, astronomy has been a hobby of mine. I've always enjoyed it. Through 35 years of um, That's great. of uh, studying it, I was uh, I appeared on um, uh, this last uh, season of uh, NASA's Unexplained last uh, NASA's Unexplained yeah. Files. I was on there for about four episodes as a contributor as well. Um, well, it's it, great. It, uh, I've always been fascinated with um, with uh, the space science and astronomy, um, astrophysics, and also planetary uh, uh, astronomy as well. So, yeah, it's uh, so interesting. Yeah, so when, when you set up at uh, Griffith, are you going to get behind these people looking at your telescope? Or are you going to hit them with some Tuvok lines while they're looking? <laughs> oh, <at> the <laughs> Generally, I do not, uh, <laughs> because they're. All almost always asking me stuff about what they're looking at or they yeah, ask me about course, yeah. in general. So if I have a discussion with anyone about anything, it's generally to do with uh, the stars, the, stars uh, yeah. the, the creation of the universe, the, the way stars work or the objects. I, I, that has to, it has to be really, um, I, I think, kind of unique that you've got, you've got several different areas that you're kind of prolific in, you're knowledgeable about. So you can have conversations with different groups of fans on, on you know, on different uh, things that you do, where most people, you know, it's, they do that one thing really well. That's what everybody wants to talk about. You've actually got several different things. It's, it's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, 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 you know, that just comes from, you know, being on the, on, you know, alive for X number of years, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I could not have made that same claim when I was 25, but I can definitely make that claim now uh, yeah. just because of the, the time that, that, that I've had uh, that has accumulated and the, the time I've had to pursue, you know, the things I've had to, you know, been able to do, there was music and astronomy and uh, which are the two main hobbies that I have, right. but there isn't really much else that I could claim as a, uh, as a hobby. I've been a scuba diver for about 30 years off and on and uh, I, I can claim that as a hobby, but you know, it's just a, <laughs> it's a, it's a pastime, you know? It's so, a pastime. Um, so yeah. Is, yeah. Is there, is there anything coming up? that we should look for as far as uh, astronomy wise. We have anything that, uh, you know, that you can see with the, the naked eye, that type of thing. Not currently. Uh, we just had a comet uh, not long ago. Comet Neowise was up for a minute and you could have seen that early, early in the morning and maybe later at night with uh, binoculars um, yeah. for a while. That was the last comet we had. Uh, Atlas was before that. There's no super bright comets coming up. Even even the sun is kind of boring right now. There's no activity <laughs> on the sun, you know, which is what I was, hoping to get. I was hoping to get this year. I just I just bought a really expensive sun filter and I want to be able to see some things with that. There's very little because there's no sunspot activity right now. Yeah. Um, there was years ago when I was, I was doing it, I want to say seven or eight years ago, it was pretty busy, but now it's not. And it should be. And it's a quiet period of time. It's a little longer than it normally would be. So yeah. Everybody's scratching their head, wondering what's going on. Um, they usually for, uh, pretend something big is coming. Yeah, I don't, I, I you know, uh, uh, there, there's no uh, uh, incidents that I can think of that are, uh, yeah. besides, like I said, most of the other, most of the things that comes through the, 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 uh, the uh, solar system that come close to Earth are comets. Comets are usually what I keep an eye out for if there are some that are expected to show up and, and hopefully they get bright enough to be able to see, preferably with the naked eye. Um, yeah. And if those are seen with the naked eye, they're really wonderful in the telescopes. And those are great to be able to view. Um, you know, if full, obviously a total eclipse is great when they happen, right. but uh, there's nothing that we're gonna be able to see, certainly in Southern California that's coming anytime soon. That's, you know, all that spectacular. That, 
If I'm, if you watch a lot of sci-fi like I do, that's a bad sign when it's quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We the 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 the, the last uh, this this last uh, close approacher of Mars was very nice. That was actually pretty, something pretty nice to look at. I would have loved to have been able to go up to Griffith and take a look at it while it was close yeah. by. You could see some features on the surface, which you rarely can see. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're, we're, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the next, uh, you know, asteroid strike into Jupiter or whatever it might be. Um, <laughs> to happen. Whatever and it is, you'll be there. That's why I own the telescopes. That's why I have them. I wait for those moments. What so, a great uh, hobby. Yeah. It's very cool. I, yeah, I that's great. It really do well uh, uh, tim thank you so much for uh for for doing this this is a, been yeah. such, a such a highlight for me i was just thrilled to death that you uh, agreed to come on and i, I got to mention for you um before we wrap up you know you uh, uh are helping us out with our audio podcast the last saturday night and i know you did some recording with uh, jennifer nash yes yesterday and i heard that it went great she's such a big fan of yours yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's wonderful. What uh, what I'm gonna do for her podcast? Play a character in her podcast called yeah. Uncle Alan, who's a clarinet player, a jazz clarinet player. Yeah, uh, I tried. To, I tried to. I know because it's based on a real person. I was hoping she might find. Well, could he be a jazz guitarist? That way, I, I told her that. I was like, "How about I can, guitar?" I can actually just play. I can just you know <laughs> get through all of that a lot easier. But but uh, but uh, because it's based on a real person, it has to be clarinet. So yeah. Um, and obviously it's, it's a podcast. It's not a, that's right. You know, actual, that's right. Uh, it's not, well, a, that's, a, that's a, they, you know, we're, we're having such a good time with it. It's such a, it's a great cast and it's, you know, the stories are all based on true stories and, and yeah. real people. So I, yeah. I think that's kind of a, kind of neat, but yeah. So we got, uh, uh, you know, Jennifer got to appear on, uh, on next generation back, uh, back when with uh, Sir Patrick, you know, she got yeah. to play Cherubor, his, his daughter. And, and yeah. she's, so she's always just been a huge uh, Trek fan. And I let her know that I was uh, speaking with you and she just went nuts. She's like, you have to ask him to be on our podcast. I was like, okay, I'll ask. <laughs> and yeah, you agree to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I can do it. So I can record it here at home, which makes it right. really easy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 the part, the role is fine. It's, it's a cool part and I can just pop those off and, and send them in and then you guys cut them together and, yeah. and bingo, man, there's Maybe your, enough. there's your podcast. I do like, I mean, I enjoy doing, um, uh, radio plays and I've done a lot of them, yeah. uh, over the past and I do enjoy doing those. I particularly enjoy do them, doing them when it's, uh, as a group, you know, whether it's on stage yeah. or whether it's, you know, in a studio where we can all record at the same time uh, and have the energy of everybody in, in real time doing the bits and pieces. But, you know, if it's going to be done via Zoom or done at home separately, that's fine as long as everybody can cut it together and put in the that's sound right. effects and all that good stuff for the, for the actual <laughs> podcast, you know. Uh, then I don't, I don't, you know, it's fine and I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll still participate in it. It's it's kind of cool. I love radio plays and I love uh, those kinds of readings. So they're that's a lot great. of fun. They're yeah, that's, of... that's terrific. Well, uh, so is there anything, you know, I know it's been kind of slow with everything yes. that's been going on, but anything upcoming that you have coming out that we can keep an eye out for? Yeah, I just, well, I got, uh, I've been directing a project called Slayer, which features actually my daughter in, in the, the lead role. 
oh. uh, which is a feature film I directed up in Sacramento not long ago. It's a sort of a horror vampire sort of thing uh, genre. We like that. Um, very, very uh, straightforward formula kind of thing. And uh, and I directed that up in there. That's that's in post production right now. It's called Slayer Chronicles. Uh, the trailer, I think, is I think I have it on my YouTube channel by now. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, Slater Chronicles. You can look up the trailer for it. Also, um, you worked with your direct... uh, with your daughter before, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, I worked with her on yes. a film called Junkie, which has also been released this last year, twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Junkie with uh, Christian Kane, yeah. um, um, Eve Morrow, um, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, and so that's going to be out. Um, uh, that's going to be Anna, Anna East, Anna Easton plays the lead role in that as well. Um, and Herman Wilkinson, it's going to, it's going to be out. Uh, it's out now and it's on Amazon, a few other places also, also, and it's a good drama. It's about, it's a strong female character that has this, this really cool arc in her life. Yeah. You know, starting from rock bottom and coming up and becoming, everybody's this, looking for stuff to watch. So that's this hero. Yeah. And, and also, uh, uh, the, the science fiction project Fifth Passenger, which I work as an actor in, uh, Fifth okay. Passenger um, features Doug Jones, um, uh, myself, uh, Armin Shimmerman. Um, oh, wow. Manu. Uh, 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 yes, in Tiramini. Yep. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of people in it. And also, uh, it's a really cool sci-fi story and um, uh, very different um, and very unique. And it's got a nice twist to it. So that is out uh, on Amazon as well, and there's uh, and and I think even on YouTube. I think it's also on YouTube, obviously with commercials and things like that. But yeah. um, and I'm directing a project uh, starting in Jan- in December. I'll be directing a series pilot uh, presentation called The Efficient. While I'll be directing, that's what I'm working on right now. Is going to run into that and a project okay. uh, Amanara, which is for the Atomic Network. Uh, which is based on the younger version of Nichelle when she was a younger woman. Oh, uh, just starting out. It's based on her character. Omanara is the character, and it's uh, it's very cool. Um, it's a very it cool, piece. Really cool. Um, sci-fi sort of action contemporary piece. Um, uh, it's going to be very cool. I'm directing the pilot presentation for that as well. And that's I, I love that you're so willing to do some of those, um, you know, kind of. And not fan films, but kind of fan film type of connections with Star Trek where you, where you get, uh, you know, the ones that don't necessarily, they're not necessarily going to get made unless you just get out there and make them. And, and you've done some really good things with that. Yeah. Well, they, if, you know, uh, those, those projects, they just, you know, generally they just call me or they email me and yeah. out of the blue and say, you know, would you mind shooting this thing? And, to me, it's just, you know, an opportunity for work and it's an opportunity to direct something that might, I might be able to uh, use on my reel down the line and, and have as a sample. And so yes. uh, it's a gig and it, I don't, you know, whatever it is, man, I'll shoot it. You know, uh, uh, if, if really it, it keeps me, it keeps me busy when I'm not doing acting work and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it also broadens your, your perspective and horizons as a, as an actor as well. You have all these, these angles of experience for uh, the film production business as well. And you, That's right. you get your, you can hone chops and producing and stuff is also during the process and also writing because you have to go over the scripts and make sure that, you know, that, that, that everything is basically in order that the things are working pretty well. Um, and in terms of the actual scripts and things like that. So all this stuff gets your, you get to work um, 
and uh, to cultivate uh, the ability to to interpret those things and make the changes that have to be made and to uh, to, the, to revise them if necessary, right. <clears throat> to rewrite them if necessary. So yeah, you have the opportunity for those to, those things to arise by working on those projects. So yeah, yeah, that, that, that yeah. makes perfect sense. Any uh, plans to, uh, I, I've read, you know, I read your couple of issues of uh, the Deep Space Nine comic book. Any plans to, to kind of revisit that uh, area? It depends. Uh, dep you know, it depends on whether somebody, you know, approaches me about that about doing it or not i don't you know i'll make some calls yeah <laughs> whatever you know if, any, if anything comes up and they say hey come on do this star trek online or whatever it might be whatever you know as long as yeah. they if they're coming to me you know all of that stuff is just a lot of it's work and it's just gigs you know? yeah it's just work yeah. and i'll book them if they uh if everything is, is sound and uh they've got it together and they got you know uh it, it's just a gig for me you know yeah no, it, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, so where, before you go, Tim, where, um, <clears throat> where can everybody find all this great stuff that you're doing, your music, everything, where can they go to, uh, to find that? Um, everything right now is, um, is on my website. Uh, it, some of it isn't because I haven't updated it in a couple, yeah. three months, but there's a lot of stuff that I post on my website, um, which is Tim Russ, uh, webpage.com. Yep. Tim Russ, webpage.com. And in fact, um I, i'm always on twitter with the projects that i'm doing i'm posting them yeah and you're really facebook, good about twitter you're on there yeah, and, and facebook as well i will post the stuff if i have an appearance or have something going on i'll post that stuff yep. uh so people can find me there uh so between facebook and uh twitter uh facebook is just my name tim russ and twitter you've is got a youtube page as well yeah, I've got a YouTube channel as well, and uh, all the stuff that I've done or working on, if it's a trailer or something else, I upload those. So yeah. I've got uh, there, Tim Russ 2 is the Twitter handle, and, uh, and I'm there. So I will definitely post things uh, whenever they come up. I've got a, an online convention I'm doing this Saturday coming up, the 14th, yeah. at 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. I'll be on uh, online, right. uh, online Trek uh for this uh convention i'll post that on twitter i'll retweet that on twitter today and everybody can figure out where i'm going to be so that, that's a cool show that's a little yeah that's a, that one it is that that one's awesome are you are yeah. you appearing with anybody any, any no well guys? yeah uh, i there's going to be some other cast not my cast members there's other people yeah. who are from other shows and and projects and there's a list of them too um but but uh as far as my own cast from my show no i think it's just me yeah so okay. um all right we got the best one yeah and we'll be back <laughs> in science all at the same time so it's cool yeah it'll be cool well yeah tim thank you so much this is this has been just a, a blast i'm excited to to listen to the work you did yesterday with uh, jennifer and and this has just uh, just been a lot of fun with me so thank you so much for for coming on and hopefully uh, one of these days we can uh, we can have you back <laughs> you got it man thank you for having me i appreciate it take care oh yes sir yes sir right. talk to you soon all right man bye-bye now with over 400 celebrity interviews and tons of pop culture nerdiness, Too Opinionated is a safe haven for your inner geek. Find us at MeisterCon.com or on YouTube under MeisterCon Pod. And please subscribe. It would really help us out. Thanks, everybody. Tim Russ, how about that? That, uh, that was pretty awesome. That's pretty What a great guy. Uh, and, and so... I mean, he's busy. He makes me feel uh, like I'm a, 
you know, sitting around not doing anything. I mean, that, that man is busy. He's with his music, his acting, he does uh, voicing for video games. You know, he's, he's doing smaller projects. He's, he's doing, you know, the voice work for, for us. He's directing, he's writing, you know, he's working with, uh, with his daughter. He's, you know, and then he's got his astronomy. So he's just a, a busy, busy guy. And, and oh, by the way, he's scuba dives. He didn't, you know, that's way down the list. So he was just like, I don't know, scuba dive. But, you know, so he's just a, just a really, uh, really neat guy. And that was a, a great conversation. So really, uh, really enjoyed that. Hopefully you did as uh, well. So this is a, I, I mentioned it uh, at the beginning. This is a, a, a big day um, for us at Two Opinionated. It's our first episode that we have recorded in our new podcasting studio. We don't even have the furniture in yet. So it's uh, it's still pretty bare bones, but we're in the studio. The Wi-Fi is working. We didn't have any problems. So it's, uh, that's an exciting day, one that we've been working on since we started uh, the podcast almost two years ago. So thank you for everybody that has uh, helped us get there. If you would like to contribute to the program, I mean, we're just a, a small family operated show. You know, it's, it's me, it's, it's my two sons uh, that appear on the show. You know, my, uh, my, my wife and my daughter do some marketing for us. My other daughter uh, does uh, sales for us. It's just us. And we're, you know, we're located in a small town in West Virginia. You know, we've built this up into something I never would have imagined. And, and we're doing everything we can to, uh, to bring out quality and to do uh, good interviews. And I, I really hope that, uh, that you're in, enjoying those. And we have a, a lot of big names uh, to come, although tough to uh, top uh, Tim, Tim Russ. That was pretty awesome. Um, but if you would like to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash MeisterCon. We don't expect you to do it for nothing. We'll give you some early access to episodes or some bonus material there. But even just a few dollars is a, is a big help to us. So please do that. Please uh, check us out on Facebook under MeisterCon. Give us a like. Um, and you can also find our website, uh, MeisterCon.com. has got all of our uh, episodes, audio and video up. And it also has some pretty awesome blogs from uh, from brett he uh such a good writer he's got some great uh, great stuff there so you can check that out and i think that's it uh, thank you so much for uh for listening for watching please come back and we'll see you again next time bye everybody Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic.
Electricast. Electricast.